and welcome to episode 107 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the Boards. Joining me today is Derek. Wow, Skype is screwing us tonight, Heemsbergen. I think that applies to all of us equally, but even so, yes. yeah. Skype is Skype is being a little crap tonight. I want to yeah. curse so much on this show, uh, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> for the, the ears of the children. No, I'm just kidding. I hate kids. Really? Oh, hi. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm double kidding. Okay, so like babies, I think babies are gross. Yeah, but, I, don't, I don't like babies at all. They like, you know, they like poop and stuff, and that's it. But, um, you know, children, once they can start being actual human beings and not like blobs <laughs> that create waste, around, I... Around 18. Cool with them. But I, but I would... <laughs> exactly. No, I'd prefer like puppies and kittens and, of course, ferrets to... To babies. Anyway, hey, what's up? I'm Derek. I'm Embryon on the boards, even though I never post there. And I'm here to talk about some video games. All right. And we also have Caitlin, don't question my Greek heritage, Argyros. I knew that that name sounded didn't sound familiar. I was like, what? Yorn. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, yeah. Different, not the right heritage. I, I have no Norse heritage that I'm aware of, although who knows, possibly maybe down, down the line. But anyway, um, I'm Greek, and Norns are not Greek. Okay. This will be relevant later in the show. I thought yes. Norns, weren't Norns the northern race in the Elder Scrolls? Am I, am I? I think that's Norns. I feel like that's one. Oh, Nords. Oh, oh my God. Nords, yeah, like with a D. That's uh, Robert They got it, no. That's that's Robert Dark Souls in training Fenner. <laughs> that's me. Ten Square Marty on yeah. the boards. We got another Robert to review Dark Souls. I uh, like him. Why are we doing this? Like, why are know. we making him play these games? Because I don't, I don't want him to die. I don't want him to leave us. Because every one of these games takes a little piece of me with it, and I can't have it happen again. As I said on the boards, um, dying is better than the fate, worse than death. That is Hyperdimension Neptunia. Oh my and god! <laughs> you are so right. Here come Please. the one star yeah. reviews on iTunes, ladies and gentlemen. We just we hate fun. Yes, apparently. Uh, so we got some games to talk about this week. Uh, we're gonna start with uh, a little Salt and Sanctuary, a new uh, PlayStation 4 exclusive right now, also coming to Vita and PC. Uh, I, I guess it. You just gotta come right out and say it. It's it's 2D Dark Souls like that. Yeah. For sure. 2D the Dark, Dark Souls of Newgrounds games. <laughs> uh, so this is coming. This is coming to us from uh, Scott Studios, the guys who made uh, Guys and Gal, uh, husband and wife team that made the Dishwasher, and uh, was it Charlie Murder? I believe That's was their right. other game. They, they actually yeah. invented the dishwasher. Like they, the, they, the they yeah. I, I love them. That's what's keeping <laughs> my marriage together right now. George, uh, every American should have a dishwasher in their home. <laughs> thank you, Scott Studios. <laughs> Jeebus. Uh, I have so, one in my home, but I never use it. Oh, God. Um, so we had them on the show like way back when they first announced Salt and Sanctuary, and it came out recently. Uh, I have played through it about three or four times right now because it's kind of one of those very – one of those games that you can beat in about 17, 18 hours, and then subsequent, subsequent playthroughs are like three or four, and you just kind of get into this nice habit of playing it. Robert, I know you've also played a little bit. Give me some of your thoughts on Salton Sanctuary right now, because I, I, think, I think you and I have some feelings about this game. Well, uh, going in, I was a little bit skeptical as to how well the Souls formula would translate to uh, side-scrolling 
platformer uh, format. And I'm very surprised and pleased at just how well it works. Uh, I feel that it can't really achieve the same goals that Dark Souls does due to the uh, limitations of the 2D plane. Um, but it's an admirable effort. You caught me in the middle of typing something in Skype with my mute button on. So, uh, oh. yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I've i been playing it a lot, and I'll, I'll admit I kind of had a roller coaster ride with it where at first I really, really didn't like it. Uh, when really? I played it at E3, yeah, when I played it at E3 last year, I found the controls, like, there is a huge learning curve to how this game plays. Like, it is a 2D game, very much in that Castlevania Symphony of the Night style, but there's a lot of weight to your actions, you have to manage your stamina bar, and that first boss, man, like, I was really trying to just absorb every hit with my shield and play it very much like a Souls game. Hmm. I died more times on that first boss than any other encounter in the entire game. Like, okay. I just got curb stomped over and over again it, the game is really heavily reliant on you using their role mechanic which when you're right up against an enemy it never really feels good when you roll through them it's like you have to be right up next you get what i'm saying there it's like if you had a clear when it will yeah. allow you to roll through and when it won't it's and there are some bosses yeah and some bosses are just frankly like nope you're not rolling through this and so I found the beginning part of the game to be super, super hard, and then I got a tower shield, and the game just ended. Because it was like, oh, wow, really? I'm it, it, the tower shield that I got had like 95% reduction on any stamina hit, mm. so I could just keep the shield up, and no one could crack through my shield. Yeah, it's um, it's impressive just how well shields work in that game. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... As well, since Dark Souls is uh, more focused on shield usage than Bloodborne is. Right, and the dodging, there are just times where the dodging really doesn't feel good. And so what I, I kind of went for was a build where I just, I'm wearing like the dinkiest, like rogue armor, so I'm nice and fast and I have a good roll, but then I'm using like a big heavy two-handed sword and then I switch shield when I'm fighting a boss. So I'm just running around the environment two-handing regular enemies like it's no problem, and then when I get to a boss, it's just, okay, I'm going to play the wait for you to leave an opening, attack you once, and then go back to shielding the entire time. I'm largely playing the same. I'd like to go back and try a um, at least part of a magic run uh, after I get through my first playthrough. Um, I, there's a lot of depth. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a, a great amount of depth in the character. Um I like it a lot. It's just that there there was that initial learning curve to the game that really – I was – I think I created some new swear words when okay. I first started playing this. Like I was getting really pissed off with it. A lot of enemies are – they do a lot of the like, oh, these are enemies that are magically spawning on top of you, and the camera's really pulled back far. And there are just moments where it's like I couldn't see anything that was happening on screen. It is like, very hard to parse sometimes, especially like – if there's a corpse pit in the background and then just guys spawning out of thin air when you're near it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of trouble. A lot of 
a lot of grab attacks, a lot of like, okay, this this enemy has a grab attack that the entire time they're moving, if it hits you, they grab you. Uh, you got to get used to a lot of patterns. Like the bigger enemies, it's like, okay, he swings once, he swings twice, now I hit you. You swing once, you swing twice, now I hit you. And because they're using like a very fast-paced 2D system, it can sometimes look like the enemy is wide open for an attack, and this is why the first boss killed me so many times. The first boss has like a two-hit combo for 75% of the fight, and then when they get down to their last quarter, it turns into a four-hit combo. Mm. And so every time, your brain is telling you, oh, okay, now it's time to hit. Nope. Like, nope, absolutely not. And the reach on some of the enemies is huge. There isn't a camera problem in this game, but there is like the enemy, the boss can get you stuck in a corner and just wail on you until you die. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of deaths at the beginning of the game. Hmm. Out of curiosity, how how different the boss fights feel compared to regular enemy encounters, just the the ones that you're running into on your way to the boss. Like, do they? Does it feel like the boss is? Um, does it feel climactic? Does it feel like it's putting skills that you've learned in that area to the test, or are they just sort of like larger versions of existing enemies? They're definitely like new bosses with new attack patterns. Like they feel like a boss. I think the problem that I'm running into, and this was the same thing with all of the the Souls games to an extent, is I'm fighting every boss the exact same way. Mm. Like, keep your shield up, wait for them to drop, okay, now attack them. There's a couple that don't follow that because they have magic attacks, and so I just brought a different shield to that fight, but a lot of the... A lot of the fights are just kind of devolving into that. I'm fighting every one of these bosses the same way. There's no, there's no hidden new thing for me to do because I'm so reliant on a shield. That's one of the reasons why I am a big, big fan of Bloodborne because it was like, I have to learn this enemy's attack patterns to properly dodge through it. I can't just keep a shield up and wait for an opening to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's a little bit more intense. It's asking for more of the player. But I still enjoyed it. Uh, uh, some of the boss fights are really, really cool, like very thematically cool, maybe not that that hard, but it is kind of a lot of the same thing. Like, okay, the first time I fight this boss, I've got to learn their pattern. Probably going to kill me the first time. Okay, now I know your pattern. Okay, dodge, dodge. Okay, now attack you. Now I've got you down to 50% health. Now your pattern's going to change. Okay, here we go again. Like, but, and yet, despite all that, I genuinely enjoyed this game. Like, it was very, very fun very much in that Castlevania Symphony of the Night mold. Like, this game sits right in the middle between Dark Souls and Symphony of the Night. It's a lot you get, like um, Castlevania Order of Ecclesia, actually. Yeah, that's actually really true. You Except get I new movement a lot more. mechanics. Yeah. You didn't like Order of Ecclesia? I loved it. Uh, I wanted to like it. It didn't really click with me. That game was hard. Mm. <laughs> that game was hard. So it's – I think Salt and Sanctuary is is a really, really good game. I think it needs a little bit of refinement here and there. Uh, it was also surprising to find out that it has local co-op, not uh, not internet connection co-op. Oh, hmm. so, so I know Steven and Mike have been having a hell of a time <laughs> playing that out in Japan, which is great. Oh, cool. But, like, I'm not going to convince my wife to play this game with me. Like, that, that, that just – that ain't going to happen. Like, so it, it, it's really cool that that exists in the game. And I really want to see them make another game in this style, kind of the same way that Demon's Souls was like the good starting point, and then Dark Souls kind of went and took those mechanics and made them better. I think there's something really, really good here. Derek, I, I would suggest you give it a try. Like those old school <laughs> Castlevania games, you might like it a lot. See, I, I want to believe that. Uh, and, and I'm not opposed <laughs> to get. 
I'm not opposed to giving it a try, certainly, because I think that, for me, this kind of formula would work better as a 2D action game. Because, I, like like you said, I adore Castlevania. Um, and I'm not against challenging side-scrollers by any means. But um, and, I, and I don't want to let this stop me completely, but I have to say that for this game, the, the art style, the aesthetic is, like, borderline repugnant to me. Mm. I, I hate the way the characters look. They look like, I mentioned this earlier, but I think that they look like really poor Newgrounds Flash. Like from yeah. the late night, like the, they look like the sort of generic character. Every time you, if you see like an ad in a magazine, what's a magazine? I don't know. Those are relics of a bygone era. <laughs> if you see an ad in a magazine, it's like design video games, go to this college or whatever. And they show you like the crappiest looking little 2d character that are like, you could be making this. Like, it just looks like <laughs> I'm hitting really hard right now. Sorry. I, I didn't intend to really, but I just, I, I think the art style um, of the characters is really, really bad. Like the monster designs look fine to me from what I've seen in, um, I watched a Let's Play for a while and all that, but oh my god, man, like that is so not my style. That being said, I haven't actually played the game, so I'm not in a position to judge it fully. Um, and David, who uh, used to write for us, what is it with people dropping? Like fly, people that I know. Uh, David Brown, he used to write <laughs> news for us, um, but he's a friend of mine. He lives here in, in town. Um, he's really into it, and he's invited me to come over to his house and play. So I think I'll do that. Um, I definitely would like to get my hands on it before i make any kind of decision but man that art style doesn't work for me it's a little hot topic. yeah 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 hot. oh my god hot topic <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's got that i i like the creature design i think the boss design is pretty good for the most part but you're right the characters don't look all that great what what works for me more is like uh death's gambit that game is another 2D side-scrolling Dark Souls-esque game, but it has the like, kind of the chunkier pixelated style oh, yeah. and a little more vibrant color palette. Um, so that's that's more my style. But I again, the gameplay is the most important thing here. Um, and if Salt and Sanctuary has great gameplay, then I definitely want to give it a try. It, it does. Is... Go ahead, Caitlin. Can I ask uh, what is the meaning, or is there a meaning behind the title? Uh, well, you collect salt, so instead of souls, you collect salt. Salt, um, okay. You and then instead the of... Yeah, and, and so they call salty. you, like... Yeah, so you're, like, salt-born. Um, and then... Is, the is it kind of telling that, like, when I hear salt, my first thought now is, like, the whole bitter, mad, so, that kind of salty, as salt, opposed salt, to... Salty souls. Fire yeah, it's... Yeah. 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 Um, and then the sanctuary part is like you, you go around in much the same way as you, you have bonfires in, uh, Dark Souls. You have these sanctuary points where they, they do this really weird thing where you can put your own merchants at every sanctuary point, but you can only put four of them. And I guess they're expecting you to remember where you put every merchant. So I'm like, okay, did I put an alchemist here or did I put a blacksmith here? Okay, I'm going to travel here. Okay, I only put an alchemist here. Okay, I need a blacksmith now. I'm going to go over here. I need to do this. And this gets to probably the number one complaint I have with the game, and I'm surprised that more people aren't complaining about it. It's just a, a complaint that I've read in a couple of reviews. This game needs a map. This game desperately needs a map. It doesn't have one? No. No. And way, it is. Souls doesn't. It, but it's infuriating because this game gives you like the new movement abilities, much the same way that a Metroid game lets you access new areas. You and you just have to remember. Part. You just have to remember. Oh yeah, now I have the the uh, the wall jump, and I need to be able to use that in certain areas. And I just spent like 
at least two or three hours of my initial running time of this game was just wandering, having no no idea where I was going. It's it, it's one of those moments. It's one of those moments where they're trying so hard to be souls that they didn't realize that like a two D game desperately needs a map because you only have so much of the screen visible. Like yeah. there's never there's never a point where I can pull them the camera out and go, oh, okay, I need to get up there. Like, there was, there was this really awesome moment. The only time I got really confused in Bloodborne where I needed to go was right before the blood-starved beast. And I looked down, and I was like, I need to get down to that valley. How the hell do I get down to that valley? And I, like, looked, looked the camera around, and I was like, oh, there's the entranceway I missed. You can't do that in a 2D game. So, like, there are moments where you're going, wow, I, I had no idea if I had just had the big blue map, like Symphony of the Night, and I would have the colored-in rectangle, I would know to go there because I didn't find everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this game desperately needs a map, and they were trying to be a little too Dark Soulsy, not including one. Mm, I do agree. But it's it's good. It, it's definitely a good game, and I think for seventeen bucks, like it'll keep you busy. It it definitely kept me, me busy after I finished House of Cards season four. I like <laughs> dug into this game for an entire week and really enjoyed it. There's some so, video gamey elements that I'm not too fond of, like disappearing platforms a la Mega Man 2, that I feel are a little bit out of yeah. place, and I don't really like that kind of thing anyway because that sort of thing just makes me feel nervous. But I mean, that's did you get me. to the narwhal? Did you get to the narwhal unicorns? No. Yeah, that it's might like be fun. the worst. That that might be the worst enemy I've encountered all year. I might have to give like I might have to set an aside an award for like the most BS enemy I oh, I face. Are these the horsemen? No, not the horsemen. They're these are narwhal unicorns. You will know when you meet them. All right. And they have a grab attack that is like if you do not dodge it, they just auto kill you, and there is no safe spot anywhere near them. That that was a about three or four of those, and that Dual Shock Four almost went right across the room. Uh, mm. Something to look <laughs> forward to. Yeah, mm. yeah, but you're right. There are some video game qualities that don't they don't work quite as well. But overall, it is a very enjoyable game, and I, I can give it a recommendation. I think that if you're looking for for something to tide you over for Dark Souls Three, it's definitely uh, worth playing. Gotta say, strong words, uh, but I think this may be one of my favorite games of 2016 so far. Oh, wow. wow. I'm having a lot of fun playing it, misgivings aside. It, it's well, a game that grew taste, on me. So. But this is, this, is a, this is a year that's going to be filled with amazing games. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll still stay up there come end of year. We'll see. But I'm really, really enjoying my time with it. Well, speaking of... Uh fast-paced, retro-styled, action-y type games that we're excited for. Uh, Hyper Light Drifter, that got a date. That's going to be yep. out in less than a week, you guys. I know. I'm real. super excited okay. for that. Yeah. I'm super excited for that. It's going to exist. Like, we can play it with our hands. I, I feel bad for those guys because I know that there was a lot of backlash on them from the community for not quite making their initial release date. I know that there were some health issues among the team that I think people need to be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a little aware of. Like, hey, let's let's calm down here a little bit. But every time I look at that game, that game just looks fun. And when I played it, ooh, it played well. I'm, yeah. I don't know how much RPG it is. Like, they're, they're saying that it's an RPG and we're going to cover it, but, you know, is, is it more Zelda than RPG? I don't know, but I I want to give it a, a try. I I, I want to play that. I want to play Death's Gambit, like you said. And then the other mm-hmm. one is, uh, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounse it because I don't, I'm don't i not good on my Norse mythology, but uh, is it A-tier? The, 
the 2D isometric Dark Souls game yeah, where you're I'm playing sure like it's pronounced either. Is it Eater? Yeah. Or Eater? I don't know. I, I, I spell it. E I T R. Don't look at me. You got to go back and watch Thor: The Dark World because that they use the A tier in that. E just E I T I R. Wait, was that was that the the stuff that the guy? Yeah. I didn't he just call it Ether? I think he might have, but I think it's I think it's A tier. I don't know. E T I R. Whatever. No. E I. Thor. Come and tell us what it's called. Tell us Thor. That looks. Oh, it's it's E I T R. I have never seen this before. I just looked at I pulled up the Steam page. No, I I hadn't seen this. Wait, wasn't there I swear I've seen this game actually, but under a different name. No, mm, I think I, it got announced a little bit ago and it was at E3. I got to okay. watch it. Was, that, was that was this uh, the one there was like a story uh story trailer and there are there a couple different playable characters or is there just no, the one? No, there's only this I'm, I'm thinking of something else then. So no, I don't think I've ever seen this. It looks good. I, I think we have, you know, those um, the 2D Dark Souls or the Dark Souls influence on indie games is definitely huge. Maybe not so much in Hyper Light Drifter, but we're we're starting to see that, and I think Salt and Sanctuary proves that that it can work. Wow. And I think a little bit more refinement, and it could be classic. Mm-hmm. So. Is 2016 going to be the year of Dark Souls then? Well, speaking of Dark Souls, should I should I talk about it? Yeah. I, right. would, I would I would question you, whether or not you're actually Rob Simon if you didn't. All right, hold on you, a second. You got your hands on it, so I want to know, see if, man. Is this is this audible? Yeah. yeah. Is that audible? That's me cracking my knuckles. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Dark and um, and I can talk a little bit about it uh, up to a point. I am not reviewing this game. I'm not. Robert, you're doing it. As soon as we get a PS4 copy, I'm I'm not reviewing it. Um. So I, I have good and bad to talk about with this game. Um, I've put about three three hours into the game. Uh, I've beaten about three bosses. Haven't really gone beyond what people are allowed to do in Let's Plays and streams right now. So if you go online, if you watch like the Giant Bomb stream, I'm a little bit beyond that uh, new area, blah, 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 blah. It's better than I thought it would be. Like, there's been a really good sense of variety in the environments. The level design is still very much a Souls game, you know, very honeycomb, going up one ladder, kicking down another to open up a shortcut. You get to an elevator, it goes up. Uh, the enemy design's been pretty good. A um, lot of dudes with weapons, but, you know, some interesting attacks, which have been kind of fun to dodge. Uh, that's been really, really good. Um Here's the part that's going to be really controversial, and I I want to stress that I've played a lot of these games, and also this game may kick me in the teeth in just a few hours, but I don't know what the hell people are talking about saying that this is the hardest Souls game they've played. I have not died yet. I am dump-trucking. I'm dump-trucking bosses. Like, I didn't even... I didn't even get into trouble on the three bosses that I've fought. Uh, I have one death from falling down to a ledge that looked like I'd be able to land, and the game was like, nope, you can't. Uh, That was another thing about Salt and Sanctuary that irritated me. Some very arbitrary deaths where I'm like, why did that kill me? Because you'll get to that part later on in the game, Robert. But there there are some falls where you're like, I've survived. Yeah, I've survived bigger falls than that. What the hell was that about? Um, But overall, like, I'm not 
finding this game hard at all. And Derek, you were saying you were watching some streams and you kind of got that sense too? Yeah, and I'm um the the guy who was playing it seemed like he was pretty experienced, so that probably has something to do with it. Um but compared to just what I've seen and played on my own um of previous Dark Souls games, like I I know that I haven't played them all that much, but I've watched people play them tons. And uh this one just like the dude that I watched in the Let's Play was kind of breezing through it. Uh, perhaps he had just played that section before and was restreaming it. I don't know, but it's it, it's. Uh, I had a very brief window to make that impression, but the impression was that it seems kind of easy, at least in the early stages, maybe. Yeah, and and, and again, it, this game might be hiding like a big switcheroo where all of a sudden it's like, okay, the real Dark Souls begins, and like you fight a boss that's just going to have me cursing up a storm and like kicking my computer over in utter frustration. But for right now, it's like I killed the first boss before he even had a chance to get started, and then the okay. second boss was like the same mm. way. Like, is the first boss the one that's just like the the knight that gets all infused with blood or whatever? Yeah, and okay. he was kind of neat. I mean, he attacked me one time in that form, and then I just killed him. And then the the giant ice dude with a mace, I spent the better part of the fight right near his crotch and just kept attacking him, and he didn't really seem to... I, I got right up all in there, and he didn't really know how to handle that. Uh, and then I fought the giant tree, <laughs> where I, I also attacked its crotch. Uh, the tree has giant testicles that I had to explode. Really wish I was kidding. Uh... And, you know, again, it's really hard to gauge where the game is going to go. Um, there could be some really amazing boss encounters right around the corner. Dark Souls 1, you know, you, you look at those fights in Dark Souls 1 after you've played the game through, and you're like, oh, my God, this is easy street, and then there's some hard bosses coming up. I, please don't take this as me saying, oh, my God, Dark Souls 3 is the easiest game ever. But so far, the impression has been, like, level design's good, enemy design's okay, but I'm not getting it. A um, couple other things to keep in mind. It seems like their uh, crafting system has been blown out much more like Demon Souls. I've picked up some raw gems, some sharp gems, some things that will allow me to infuse weapons with different things. Like this weapon will now scale more. This weapon will do more base damage but will not scale with your stats as much. That's very Demon Souls to me, which I kind of want to see what direction they go in with that. I can't seem to upgrade my armor which is interesting uh, that's kind of a hang up from Bloodborne where the armor kind of scales with you as you keep going uh, maybe they just decided to get rid of that hmm. I don't know maybe I haven't built armor yet that's the other thing that's kind of weird is like I'm getting into the Madden situation where it's like why are some elements in one game and not in the other even though this is coming out after the last game like these guys seem to have figured out the magic trick to make the sitting at a bonfire and letting it repopulate the area thing work that didn't work in Bloodborne. Uh, but at the same time, you also have the movement that was not in Bloodborne where like you could start running backwards while locked onto an enemy. That was in Dark Souls 2, not in Bloodborne, is in Dark Souls 3. So that, there's that weirdness. Uh, the rolling animation is much slower than it is in Bloodborne, but it's still better than it was in Dark Souls 1 or Dark Souls 2. So I'm using that a lot more. I'm not just relying on a shield. You know, it it's fun. It's a little bit faster than, than the Souls games. It's not as fast as Bloodborne, but 
you know, I'm not really digging the stances on my weapons. I, I, I don't find that to be a very weak substitute for the transforming weapons from Bloodborne. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot more magic spells, so magic builds will definitely have a better time with this. How do stances work exactly? I've heard a lot about them, but I'm still a little okay, so, unclear. So what you do with a weapon is, like, if you take... I'm using a broadsword right now. Like, that's just the weapon I fell into, and I've upgraded it, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to play this game with a broadsword and see how far I get. Uh, if I two-hand the broadsword and hold L2, then I will pull the broadsword up into a stance. Now if I attack, it's kind of a power attack, like a huge wind-up heavy hit that seems to grant me a little bit more poise, like it's harder to knock me out of the animation, but it's very situational. Like, I've only used it, like, once or twice, and it uses up focus, which is their version of mana. You'd no longer have spell charges. You now have a mana bar, and that determines your ability to use magic spells and these uh, focus attacks. I just haven't found a whole lot of use for them. Maybe maybe down the road I'm going to start using them a lot, but I'm just relying on the good old let you hit me once, I take the hit on the shield, and then I attack, attack, and you are dead. And I'm just relying on that over and over and over again. I hit you. You hit me. <laughs> no. Not that. So are you are you finding though that you're you're you are playing it like a Dark Souls game? It's not like they 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 went from Bloodborne and they kind of made Dark Souls more like Bloodborne. It definitely still plays like a Dark Souls game. Yeah, it's definitely it plays more like a Dark Souls game. You don't have as many attacks that can deal with large groups of enemies. Uh, I, I tried to parry an enemy with my shield and I was like, nope, nuts to that. I, unless I got a pistol, I'm not going to try this. Like it just it is very much a Souls game, maybe a hair or two faster. Like, there isn't such a huge wind-up on your attacks, but it, it's very telling that even with just a broadsword, one of the smaller weapons in the game, you can still clang off of walls with that with those attacks, whereas the saw cleaver and the smaller weapons in Bloodborne, they never clanged off walls. So it seems like they're, they're putting the emphasis very much in the same way on the, the tactical combat, fighting when you need to, rolling when you need to, not nearly as spastic or action-heavy as Bloodborne. Just a little faster than Demon Souls and Dark Souls, and, and the level design—that's I, I, the thing that's keeping me interesting. The environments I've gone to have been really cool, a lot more wicked in design, a lot darker in design. Not so much the, you know, here's this high fantasy world of Dark Souls two. A little bit more twisted, like Bloodborne, which is kind of cool. Uh, a lot of environmental clutter that looks really nice. So yeah, I, I'm digging the game more than I thought I would, but it's still not. I could probably stop now and just be like, okay, this is a Souls game, and that's oh. great. But I, I'm being honest. This We talked about this way back when Dark Souls 1, we, we were playing that, and I remember Zach Pinchick asked me on the show, you know, wouldn't you love to have a Souls game every two years? And I said, ah, at some point I might get a little bored, and I think <laughs> I'm there. You know, and 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 at the same time, I think this is great for people that didn't have Bloodborne, and the last Souls game that they had was Dark Souls Two. I think they're going to enjoy this game, but I I haven't found that thing yet. I haven't found that moment. Maybe that moment is just around the corner. Maybe I am one room away from that moment, and I come back on the show and say, "Oh my God, Dark Souls Three is the most amazing game ever." But for right now, it feels very, very safe. Your uh, Souls fatigue reminds me a little bit of. My Persona 4 fatigue, because Persona 4 is one of my most favorite RPGs ever. It is so 
inconceivably good, and then and they just kept milking it. And at first, I was like, "Oh, I love Persona Four. I would love to see more of this universe, more of this cast." And the more they put out, uh, the less kind of genuine they felt. So yeah, I, I mean, too much of a good thing is very much like a real phenomenon. So. I just wonder if, if Souls is reaching that point, um, or if, if, like you said, maybe there's something waiting around the corner for you that's going to really make you say, aha, this is this is what I was waiting for, this is what they're delivering to keep this experience fresh. I, I mean, I hope I hope that happens, because I don't want you to not enjoy it. Yeah, and I, and I don't want people to think, oh, I've come onto the show with an agenda the way I wrote my preview at E3, where I said, like, oh, you know, the game's very uninteresting and I'm not really digging any of it. I'm more positive than I was coming out of E3 because I've seen some better environmental designs. Uh, it's more, it's just more fun to play than it is to watch. And, you know, the giant testicle tree boss was kind of interesting, but, like, it just feels a little like, hey, we've been here, we've done this before, and... There was a little bit of that I know with like the Castlevania games on the handhelds. Like there was a feeling of okay, you know, Dawn of Sorrow, great. Uh, Ari, Ari of Sorrow, Dar, the, the Ari of Sor- Sorrow, Dawn of Sorrow, Portrait of Ruin, Ruin Order of Ecclesia. It's like, a- at what point have you guys just put out the same game so many times that people don't keep picking them up? I mean, people still buy Assassin's Creed games, so you know, obviously, people. Mm. Keep- I'm not is saying it, that, is it that bad. I'm not saying that Souls has reached the point of Assassin's Creed, but what I'm saying is like it felt like Bloodborne was a step in a direction. Maybe not the direction everybody wanted, but it was a step. And this feels. I, <laughs> I, I think you and I are on the same page. The two Roberts are in the Bloodborne was awesome camp, right? Oh, it's amazing. I really like that game, and. The first two bosses in Bloodborne, the Cleric Beast and Father Papa G. Oh my god, Father Gascoigne. They just, they just, they destroy the first two bosses, first three bosses that I've fought in Dark Souls 3. Like, there is no comparison at all between those, those bosses. It's disheartening to hear. Yeah, and, and again, maybe they're just, maybe what they wanted was a, a gentler introduction. So maybe like the really hard stuff is coming around the corner, but for now the only thing that is driving me forward is the fun environmental design and just the, the there's nothing like a first time through a Souls level. It, it it is a really special experience where you don't know what's around the corner. You got your shield up, you're nervous as hell. It's been a long time since that last bonfire, and you only got two Estus swigs left. Like that's a really cool feeling that can't be replicated again. That is making me happy. I like that part of the game, but it's you know how much more of that can I really take? I don't oh, know. How is how is the speed of the Estus flasks in general? Is it this you know? I know Bloodborne. Uh, you, when you use your blood vials, it's really freaking fast, and that was advantageous. And I don't know if they would have it's made a little any changes. It's a little slower, but it's not the absolute nightmare that was Dark Souls 2, where your one stat actually determined how fast you would ready a shield or drink an Estus flask. So it's much more, it's faster, but it's not as fast as the, you know, hypodermic needle in the thigh that was Bloodborne, you know, get right back in there and yeah. start killing stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but you'll, you'll notice, like, it, I played a little bit of Dark Souls 1 on PC just to remind myself how slow that was in comparison to Bloodborne. It, this is not that slow. Uh, I'm actually at 
I'm, I'm at about 60% equip load, like wearing heavy plate armor, and I still have a fast roll. Like they, they, I think they, they've downplayed some of the more obnoxious aspects of souls. Like the, oh man, if I'm at 50.1, I have a slower roll than if I'm at 49.9. Like some of that stuff has gone away. Again, I don't know if you can upgrade your, your, uh, your armor the way you can your weaponry. I don't know how much the branching paths on the weaponry is going to go, but I'm kind of intrigued by that right now. That stuff's all great. Enemies are dropping a lot of weapons, but I really miss my saw cleaver. I really miss my saw cleaver. That's like one of my favorite weapons in a video game, and I don't have it right now. So maybe DLC. But you have a shield. I do have a shield, and that that shield is just you know it feels good to have a shield again. It does, but I I just you know maybe 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 Bloodborne broke me. Like, it just, it, it, I had to get so good. It spoiled you, it's too good. I think the Cleric Beast and Papa G make a really strong first impression in that game, and this this did not. I this really how much did. I love Papa G. Like, I know that this isn't the first time it's been said, but no, I just, the, the <laughs> title Papa G makes me laugh. Okay, that, yes. I, I hated that boss fight. It's also oh, yeah. telling that those two boss fights, uh, maybe not so much the Cleric Beast, but Papa G is still hard. Like, you can screw up that boss fight even if you fought him a half dozen yeah, times. he's hyper-aggressive. Yeah. yeah. You really gotta yep. stay the right distance away from him. And yep. you have a lot of clutter in the environment that can trip you up. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And that's that's tough. And these two boss fights, it, it's funny. I almost felt like... Th- there is a part of me that's wondering if it, this might be a patch problem. Because I know uh, Vati Vidya, the guy who does like all the Dark Souls 3 lore stuff... Um, he was talking about like a press version of this game was apparently way easier so people could stream and play it at a preview event. So I'm almost wondering if like that version of the game accidentally got to reviewers because like I killed the second boss. I, I, I killed the second boss before he had a chance to do anything cool. Like I was waiting for him to do this rolling attack that I watched in a giant bomb video. No, he died faster than that. Like I just outright killed him before he could do anything cool. Which is funny because he has ice attacks. So when I say cool, but dumb tish. Uh huh. <laughs> so I don't want to turn people off from it. I, I think you know people are going to enjoy it. That's great. I will be very interested to see what the fans think of this game because I think there's a very there's a big line in the sand between the Bloodborne people and the Dark Souls people. I am a Bloodborne person, but I love both games. But I would much rather play another game that takes those ideas of Bloodborne and continues with them than going back to Dark Souls. But, you know, the fan community took a while to come around to Dark Souls 2, and that now now everybody hates Dark Souls 2, even though I still think that's an okay game. I, I think it's a good game. Maybe a little uninteresting, but it's still good. But the uh, DLC... The DLC can go to hell, which is funny because yeah. some of the fans love the DLC. And I'm like, no, the DLC was everything that was wrong with Dark Souls 2, which was ridiculous hitboxes and stupid attacks. And, oh, my God, this guy plunged his sword into the ground four seconds ago, and it still has a hitbox. And if I get near it, I take damage. Like, that's not fun. So I found Dark Souls 2 a little stiff control-wise. How does uh, 3 compare? Uh, less stiff, but still like not... Yeah, a little bit more like Dark, it's in a middle ground between Dark Souls One and Bloodborne. Okay. Like, a, like it, it's. I agree with you on the stiffness of Dark Souls Two. Like nothing, 
everything just felt a little off in Dark Souls 2. Like those moments where you would ready a shield and you're like, well, how did that guy hit me? My shield was up. What the hell? Like some of that. It was just different. Yeah, it, it, that stuff's not here. That mm-hmm. stuff's not here. But it does still have the thing where like if you hold down the circle or the B button and you point a stick when you're locked onto an enemy, you can full run. And that's how I beat the tree boss was like when he went up for his giant smash attack, I was like, well, I'm just going to run around you. And that wasn't in Bloodborne. So I don't know. I'll be interested to get your feelings on it, Robert. I'm a little – I'm lukewarm on it. I'm, I'm, I'm higher on it than I thought I would be. But I'm still like in a – yeah, this is a Souls-ass Souls game. And this comes out when? April 12th in America. It is available right now in Japan. Uh, which is weird because uh, they Bandai Namco knows that you can download the game if you make like a Japanese store account, but they're asking people not to do that because the day one patch is not available to people who buy the game. It's only available to press right now. Uh, the PC version, I'm not having the crashes that Jim Sterling and Giant Bomb are having, but this game is not optimized at all for dual-core systems. Uh, could also be that my PC is just bottlenecking the crap out of this game, but I was a little... It, it ain't running at 60, even when I knock everything down, but, like, one CPU seems to be doing all the work when the other seven are doing nothing. So, mm-hmm. weird. If you're in England, you can take the Dark Souls Chicken Wing Challenge. What is the Dark Souls Chicken Wing they're Challenge? Some they're the Dark Souls of Wings. Some stupid restaurant has got a tie in with Bandai Namco where if, if you eat 20 chicken wings under a timer, you might win Dark Souls 3. You might. You might. Wow. I, hate, I hate marketing so much. <laughs> are they, like, atomic spicy wings they or are, anything? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are they big or are they, like, tiny? They look, like, about average sized. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're going to be a size queen with wings. They got to be big wings. <laughs> So you can eat chicken wings to get Dark Souls 3. That sounds legit. I, I would have liked Give Blood to get Bloodborne. I like that. That would have been awesome. Ooh, yeah. Now, see, Although, I mean, like, come on. What's yeah. hard about Giving Blood? I think they did that for the Evil Within in, like, Sweden or something. I think they did something like that, which would be cool. I did the uh, double red cell count last time I gave Blood, which was awesome. Like, where they, they like, filter it back into your system. Like, they, dr- they uh, separate the plasma from your uh, red blood cells, and then they take another dose. That was cool. That's weird. That's, yeah. Hmm. That's cool. I like more that. of that marketing, please. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Dark Souls three, we will we will have more to talk about uh, down the road for sure. Um, I, I don't think it's people are not going to hate it, but I will be interested to see what people think of it. Hmm. I, I wonder if the uh, opinion will sort of take that that sine wave trajectory like the previous like Dark Souls two did. Um, yeah, people are gonna be like best ever. Oh god, it's terrible. Actually, it's okay. Like, well, yeah. Miyazaki's back at the helm, so he can do nothing wrong. I think it's going to come out that Miyazaki was not on this game the entire time. No, I, I. Well, I mean, that was the weird thing that kind of happened at E3 was when I asked in the room, you know, who's directing the game, and Miyazaki-san was like, "I am. I'm directing." And it was like, "Oh, okay, cool." But then a PR guy was like, "Well, he joined the team." Uh, into development after most everything had been done with Bloodborne, and I was like, so, like, two months ago? Like, what? Like, what, what, what? Like, it was this really weird moment of, like, how much has he had to do with this game? 
I see more of his influence in the the artistry of the boss fights, but mechanically I haven't seen a whole lot interesting. So I think it's just time for him to make a sci-fi game or something. I like really that would just want that. We were talking about that. Sci-fi souls. That could pique my interest. I would like that. So moving away from Dark Souls 3, uh, I tried playing about three and a half hours of Steins Gate, and that that just... uh... I've got some big problems with Steins Gate. (laughs) Yeah, can can you tell me what my problem is with Steins Gate, Robert? Well, you know, (laughs) I think that's up to you, really. It is terribly paced. I will agree with you there. Yeah. I think so, too. I I think it has one of the slowest warm-ups I've seen in a narrative where, I mean, if it depends on your ability to endure a lot of the more anime-type tropes, which um, I can endure just fine, depending on how, I guess, how well they're subverted later, which is what Steins Gate does, because it does a lot of that, like, these characters are up front kind of difficult to deal with. I mean, particularly the main character, Okabe. Um, I don't like how he is in the beginning of the game. I don't like his mad scientist personality. I just kind of find it grating. (laughs) Yeah. And some, you know, for some people like that's funny and I, I can appreciate that. But Steins Gate is one of those games where, I mean, especially like I watched the, the anime and that show seriously took me like, I watched, I don't know, six or so episodes before it finally started to really kick in and, and get to where it got really interesting because I don't I don't know what it is. It just has such a slow build and it's I don't think that that's good. I don't think that it should take 6 episodes of an anime or 5 10 hours of a game for the plot to get interesting. But when it does, that shit gets turned up. Steins yeah. Gate is so good when it finally reaches, you know, the, when the story really gets momentum, it's like, "Oh my god." I I'm about 3 3 and a half hours into that and Again, this isn't me saying it's a bad game. I don't, I don't want our listeners to think that I'm just crapping on everything today. Like, I've heard nothing but good things about Steins Gate. You know, Andrew's review on the site is stellar. I've heard the exact same things that Derek is telling me and what Robert's telling me is that the beginning of the game is very poorly paced and very slow. There's only been one other game in my life that actively put me to sleep while I was playing it, and that was the beginning of Final Fantasy XIII. Where, like, all I was doing was pressing X. And Steins Gate, you know, I've, I've been on vacation for far too long right now. And every time I turn on my Vita and I start playing Steins Gate, it's like within about 15 minutes, my eyes start getting droopy. And I'm like, okay, this is so kawaii. And, okay, I got to turn this off and take a nap. And I'm waiting for the cool moments to happen. But this this game did not grab me by the throat the way like 999 or Virtue's Last Reward to pay attention. Like, uh, it's, it's it's, there is water rushing into the room. You need to save yourself. Like, zombies coming up the hell right now. Grab the shotgun. Like, they, like this game is not doing that. And I'm not saying that it needs to, but, like, th- this is not grabbing me the way that those two other visual novels really grabbed me. And I think that's a valid issue to take with the game. Um, it's it, it shouldn't have to take that long to really get going. I just my the only thing that I would point out, like I said before, is just that it really does get excellent once things ramp up. But if it doesn't, you know, if you can't endure the first five hours or however long it's going to take for the story to really move along, 
then I I wouldn't really blame you for saying, hey, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe you could maybe you could pick up the anime and watch that. It's a pretty good adaptation. Yeah, uh, I mean, just... I mean, Dangan Rampa got me pretty fast. Like that, like the sense of mystery from like the very beginning of that game, where it's like, hey, we're in a school. What the hell's going on? But like. This had that moment where I was like, wait a minute, we might have created a time machine. Hey, who wants to go to the cat bar? And I was like, um, can we can we get back to the time machine you guys might have just created? Like, that seems a – and it's funny because I, I don't dislike the characters. I dislike the – I have to be very careful when I say this because my wife is right over on the other computer in this room, and she might throw something at me. Uh, are you going to say something? Go ahead. It's, this, it's the same feeling I have – Please, honey, let me get this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it is the same. Wait a minute now. Are you about to just say something about Joss Whedon? Like, it, yeah. Um, it, oh. it's, this, <laughs> it's the same feeling I have in the limited amount of Firefly that I've seen because uh oh uh oh uh oh because I don't dislike the characters. I dislike the scenarios that they're in. If that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Because we're gonna, because, ta- like, we're gonna tag team on you. But but like I I don't dislike the characters in Steinsgate, but like going to the cat bar for like a half hour was like okay this is grating on my nerves a little bit. You guys might have created a time machine. Can we get back? This would be like if Marty and Doc just decided to say, well screw this. Who wants to go to you know old country buffet for a little bit? Like I didn't mind that stuff just because Ferris is just so ridiculous. Like she out ridiculouses um, Kilma and he's completely baffled by her. So I thought that was a little bit fun. I'm I'm gonna try. I'm I'm going to keep trying with this. I still have got Danganronpa two to play through because I wanted to like take a little break between that. But like, man, I was really excited to pick this up. I had my whole spring break set aside. Like after Salt and Sanctuary, I was gonna really dig into Steins Gate, and it just, yeah. I'm I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like, wow, that opening is slow. It's like watching well- pink. Can I ask though, like especially Derek, since you, uh, I know you've played um, this, how does it compare to the pacing in Trails in the Sky, which is also oh. a slow burn? Um, I think they're pretty analogous in terms of their initial slowness. I just find I I, I think that the characters in Trails in the Sky are a lot more grounded. Um, and Steinsgate, they very much go. They have very out there and extreme personalities that can sort of get on your bad side really quickly uh, until you realize that there is more to everybody in the cast. Not not necessarily that they're being duplicitous or whatever, but just that, you know, they're not all this one-note, wacky anime, over-the-top personality. Um, Trails in the Sky, I think, it absolutely does start slow because you're doing the, like, the we're going to exterminate the monsters in the sewers kind of stuff. Um, but that's more of a slowness that's rooted in, like, a Japanese RPG history than it is... Um, it's just sort of like a general slow-to-start narrative. I have kind of a hard time framing that. Uh, but I, I think that the, it's mostly, for me, it would be the intensity of the characters that makes... Or sort of like the writing or the development of the characters that makes Trails easier to... Um, more palatable than Steinsgate. A, a, question, a question for everybody. I'm playing the Vita version, and, like, just reading a phone message hurts my head. Like, was that just a limitation of the screen resolution yes. and the... Because, the, good, like, there are so many mistakes. Like, the text, like, the word that's... Oh, that happens like, on PC as well. 
Yeah, that, it, like, you'll have a situation where, like, the word that's, T-H-A-T apostrophe S. Like, it'll be T-H-A, and then on the next line, T apostrophe S. And it's, like, making it... Yeah, that's a problem in every version. So bad. And I'm like, okay, okay. I thought, like, I, I thought that I had glitched a version of a visual novel at one point. I was just like, what? Okay. That was my last question. I just, I'm gonna try. I, I'm really gonna try again. I want this. Th this is one of those things where like everybody has universally applauded this game and this anime and the ideas. I mean, I. What was so funny was when what's her face is talking about all the different versions of time travel. That was my quantum mechanics class in grad school. Like, not joking around. That's the kind of stuff we were talking about. I love that stuff, and I'm like so ready for this game to throw down. And just get to that sort of thing, and it's just – then we go to the cat bar, and it's like, uh, all right, I'm – okay. I like it a lot. Um, it, it is slow. I find it a bit hard to cope with sometimes. Uh, ultimately, I really like the weird science stuff they do and the quantum yeah. wanderings and thought experience. It gets into some really gross territory sometimes that really bothers me, like with um, Luca, the very effeminate boy – there's an awful bit later on where I mean I I won't really spoil it but I'll say he like he gets sexually assaulted by the protagonist and it's meant to be like a wacky fun joke. Yeah. And then there's like a whole bad ending devoted to being obsessed with rape and it's just like it's completely totally inconsistent with the rest of the game and it really really bothers me. There's uh, mm. there's an unfortunate trend though I think of modern. Japanese anime writing that considers uh, any kind of like sexual assault to be a punchline yeah. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many, like particularly I don't know why they come to mind, but the Atelier games, which I really enjoy, and Gust as a uh, as a series, like Gust as a company and their productions in general, uh, Nipponichi games as well come to mind. They'll often have the like the lecherous character that's like, let me grab those melons. And everybody's like, ew, you're so gross. But everybody just laughs it off constantly. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. He just, that's just what he's like. And the way that it's portrayed or written in this context is like, just sort of, ugh. Like, why is that always a joke? I, I mean, I get that that's, that is actual humor that happens in real life. And it's, it's acceptable in the right context. But like, yeah, it, sometimes it can be especially icky. I mean, the the it's like example a... that I gave, it's taken seriously and it's meant to be like a demonstration of a character devolving into madness, but just the way that it's handled and the way that it's completely out of character, um, it just feels like you know, they just wanted to use sexual assault as a lazy shorthand for, I don't know, I, I, something about it just felt wrong to me. <laughs> Hmm. It's like at least uh, Bulma would like beat the crap out of Master Roshi whenever he would start like getting all crazy in Dragon Ball Z. Like, at least I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that doesn't excuse it, but at least he got like the crap knocked out of him before things could get too bad. But it is it is weird. There was also this moment where like I was watching an episode of Game Center CX and uh, Arino like flat out started making fun of one of his producers who was like oh. is like oh overweight she's an overweight lady? yeah and no, I was like. Me. Yeah, I was like, okay, like I get that this is cross, you know, th this this is a different culture, and maybe that's okay, but like that that made me really uncomfortable. I was like, wow, 
wow. Like, I don't know. I, I, I do not know how to handle something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's I'm watching something else culturally, culturally and I want to be. Don't excuse it. You're still, you know, they're still mean spirited. Yeah, I found it. I found it very mean spirited. So, that's Steins Gate. I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try it again. I. I want to like it, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that it does. It does not make a good first impression. Is that is that a very diplomatic way of saying that? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say that's wrong. Okay. I can't comment. I haven't played it, so. I'll, I'll I'll reiterate before anybody accuses me of being a social justice warrior. I really do like the game. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a social justice warrior. I yeah, think that that's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think we're gonna have that conversation where it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's so terrible to be a feminist, and it's like, really, really, like, it's it's like Weird. those moments. It's like those moments where every once in a while as a teacher, you know, you, you try to get your kids to think a little bit and maybe somebody will accuse me of indoctrinating them. But like somebody made a crack about feminism and I was like, OK, class, everybody in this room that thinks that men and women should be treated equal, please put up your hands. 16 out of 16 kids. Indoctrination. Kids, congratulations. Like, yes, I, indoctrination theory. It, it's Mass Effect 3 all over again. Uh, so, uh, not to talk about just, I have no segue here that works out real well, so why don't we just talk about Norn 9? Yes! I have no safe segue. (laughs) Caitlin, tell me about Norn 9. So, Norn 9 is an Otome game, which, uh, Otome games are visual novel games that, uh, sort of take the, the, the harem approach of, you know, certain anime where it's one guy and a lot of girls and flip it. So it's usually one girl and a lot of guys. Mm. And they tell a story and it's it, different games will have like sort of different balances, uh, story versus romance. Um, uh, games like, uh, Hakuoki are balanced a little bit more, like in terms of telling the stories of the Shinsengumi and there's romance, but it's, it, it takes sort of a second seat to the overarching story. Um, Norn 9 seems to be the opposite, where there is, there's a story, and it's actually a really interesting sci-fi story, uh, depending on what route you play, depending on how well they explain it um, in the background. But it does seem to play second fiddle in at least some or most of the routes that I've uh, played or looked through myself to the characters and the romance. So there's a little bit of like deciding what do you play visual novels and otome games for. And I mean, for me, it's usually more the characters and uh, the guys than the stories necessarily. So that works out for me. But it might it might be a little bit disappointing if you're going into it looking for a really cool sci-fi story like Steins Gate because it, the focus is not as much on that uh, that sci-fi story. But so in short, um, you start off the game playing this little precocious, know-it-all, 12-year-old uh, kid who's like, you know, he's a, he studies all the time, he's a genius and whatnot. This kid, this kid yeah. He's on a field trip um, at, in Japan, and suddenly he finds himself transported back in time to the Taisho era. I think it's specifically in the year 1919, I want to say. I think it is, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's freaking out, and he meets this girl who's kind of an airhead, and she's talking about going to the ship to meet a bunch of people and travel with them, and maybe they can help him find his way back home. And 
it's this gigantic spherical ship. I guess it's like a ship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that shouldn't exist even in the present day, let alone back in the early 20th century, filled with a bunch of guys uh, who have mysterious powers. Um, they're called espers, and they're on a mission from this worldwide organization called The World uh, that apparently they all know about in various different levels of, of uh, well, most of it's vague information that they have. Um, and the player, Sorat, you know, the sort of the player substitute Sorat is like, I've never heard of this before. And along with the guys, you have the airhead and you have two other girls, um, Nanami and Mikoto, the airhead, the aforementioned airhead, her name is uh, Koharu. And you get to know all of them. The prologue sets up the story and the characters. And then the interesting thing about Nora 9 compared to other Otome games that I've played is you choose a girl to play as. So you have three protagonists that you can play as compared to a lot of Otome games where it's one girl. And each of those girls has three guys that she can pair up with and get to know and, you know, romance. And I thought that was a really interesting way to set the story because instead of, you know, it's, it's, it's the thing about Otome games and harem, the harem setup in general is it's really unbelievable to have one person of this gender just surrounded by all these other, you know, guys or girls and they're all into them and whatnot. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it it's a genre, but it's also kind of like a, I don't, I don't know about you. I had princesses from space coming and trying to get with me, just like Tenchi. I mean, I basically married Ryoko, so I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like I like Tenchi Miyu too. I do, but you know, <laughs> it's like in that and the fact that you can choose any one of these guys, and no matter who you choose, they will be into you and you know you and love you and all that. And I thought it was interesting to have the guys split up between the girls and they allow them to actually develop relationships between them that like you couldn't have substituted one of the other girls in this route and had it work the mm -hmm. same way because they're different people. And some of the characters have uh, difficult pasts with each other that get explored, uh, explored in their roots. And that's another cool thing that I think the game does because a lot of, a lot of times it's like you are a self-insert character who has a little bit of background but doesn't really have any background with the guys until you're, you're dating them. Right. So it's kind of nice to have that sort of backstory play a, a role in some of the roots anyway. What I like about the structure of this story is, um, like Caitlin mentioned, you start out with this sort of, uh, he's like the, what's the word I'm looking for, like the Vaughn in Final Fantasy twelve. He's kind of the the unknowledgeable outsider character, um, and he's the prologue. And then once you get through the prologue, you're, you're introduced to each of the three main heroines during that prologue. Afterwards, that's when you select one and, and get to go on their path and learn more about them. Um, and I like that you get to know each of the characters a little bit before you make your choice on who you want to play. Um, it the, the way that the story splits for me, I, it always comes back to this for me, but it reminds me a little bit of Suikoden 3 with the Trinity Site system, where it's like you have... The same story happening concurrently, but you have different perspectives that you can start from. And I, I love that. It's one of my favorite narrative devices. I don't know why. It always just works for me, mostly because I I like, you know, I want to see all the angles. I want to know what everybody's motivations are because things aren't necessarily as uh, transparent as they may appear. But things, things aren't always that simple. And 
Um, another thing that this game does pretty well, or another thing I like, I guess, about the game is that when you get to each of these three characters and you pick one, uh, they actually have, so like, like Caitlin said, each girl has three guys to choose from. Um, two of the guys are available and one is locked until you complete one of the previous ones because there's usually something in the narrative involving that guy that you shouldn't know about until you complete at least one of the other ones. And they even go so far as to give you a recommended route. Um, you get a little help pop-up that says, like, hey, we think that for the best story experience, for you to understand everything in the right order, you should pick, like, this guy first for this girl or this guy first for this girl. And then, But it, but if you want to, you're free to just say, no, screw it, I want to do what I want to do. And I like having that freedom. I actually think that just that, that small push in the right direction it gave me some confidence because I tend to get overwhelmed when I have that many choices. Like, Oh God, who am I going to pick? So it was nice to, to have that guidance. And I ended up picking a guy that I didn't really, uh, I didn't really connect with him in the prologue. I was like, yeah, he's all right. Um, He's a loud mouse. Yeah. So, well, who did you start with Caitlin? Which, which character did you pick first? Which girl? Uh, And then which? I played as Mikoto, the uh, Sundere sort of, High strung, uh, uh, barrier wielding girl who. Oh yeah, did, did we already, cause you mentioned that they were espers, but everybody, every mer- character in this cast has a, um, a special power, like a magic power, and not all of them are revealed to you. Yeah. Until later on in the game, which is kind of cool. It's, it's, that's an element of mystery that really keeps you interested, cause it's like, oh, I wonder, like, what is that guy's power? He won't talk about it. <coughs> so you picked Makoto. Yes. And um, actually, I was surprised. Um, all of the the heroines are voiced, which is another thing that in other Otome games, usually the player character, the, the girl, isn't voiced because, again, it's usually a self-insert. You are you're there as an observer and to sort of, you know, ex- um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, vicariously, I guess, yeah. uh, experience the romance. But all of these girls are established characters and they have their own their own perspective, and you you still have choices that pop up in every chapter that will affect the guy's affection for you, and that in turn will affect whether or not you get the uh, quote unquote happy ending or the bad and or multiple bad endings. Um, but they you know between those decisions, it's it's less much less of a you know Mary Sue like self-insert kind of experience and more like this is a character, an actual character, and you are just along for the ride kind of, right. which and is, that, that was nice, I think. What you were saying is that having them with established personalities gives them better uh, chemistry, I think, with oh, the, yes. the men that are interested. Because I picked um, Nanami, who is a kind of aloof girl, and she was raised in a ninja clan, apparently. It's, that says that in her character bio. Um, and her ability is uh, she can erase people's memories, but she doesn't want to talk about it because it's caused her a lot of hardship in the past. And so the guy that I initially paired her up with, badmouth, energetic guy whose ability is telepathy, but more so than telepathy, it's like his uh, emotions kind of leak out and other people can sense his emotions. Oh, you okay? Is that Jackie? Uh, that was my cat jumping no. on my girlfriend's computer. Oh, how nice. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I've been on mute just making sure that we didn't have any incidents yeah, like that. that. <laughs> That's okay. But the, the, the guy that I picked, he's kind of loudmouth. His emotions leak out, um, and other people can sense them. So you try to get an understanding of why 
you know, why he may act a particular way, like why he's always so effervescent and over the top. It's because he has he's had problems in his past as well. So in this case, I'm pairing like a really bubbly dude with a really aloof girl. And I think that that pairing works. It's a very interesting pairing that would not necessarily have worked with, you know, one of the other playable girls. And I think that that's one of the story's strengths, the way that it builds um, interesting combinations of people and then you're sort of intrigued and you want to know what's going to happen with their their chemistry. Um, and I, I should probably mention, since we didn't before, the reason why we're talking about this game. This game came out on Vita last year, towards the end of the year. Uh, and the reason why we're talking about it right now is because it went on sale. There was a PSN flash sale, and it dropped from 40 bucks down to like 11.99. Yeah. So, uh, Sale's unfortunately came- over now, but I would still I would still recommend picking it up. Yeah, um, uh, we the saw one, it on Twitter, and then both of us were like, oh, my God, let's yeah. get this. So we both got it and started playing it at the same time. Yeah, I, the one I thing say. that I would oh, say it's a, is a problem with the game is the translation. Um, the, uh, there it's are... It's by Ideas Factory rather than um, Access or anybody this time, isn't it? I uh, think. I'm not, I'm not sure on that one. Oh, that, that would perhaps explain why that there's... I'm a grammar Nazi at times, so there are a lot of typos, um, things like words that are missing, uh, run-on sentences, I'm going to say, yeah. Uh, there's, there are awkward translations that are they're technically correct, and it's not like it's impossible to understand what they're saying, but it, it's like you could read that and say, I probably would have rephrased that in a different way. Some of them read um, a little bit like a Japanese grammatical structure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Translation. And, it kind of it kind of reads like a first pass translation that should have been edited um, for for English uh, readability again, like which you know maybe that happened in the process and it just needed a third pass. But it, it at times would like I would step back from a scene and be like, okay, I think I know what they mean, and there's a word missing there, and. And there's extra there's extra commas or there are quotation marks when they're not actually saying anything. So little things like that that crop up, um, not enough to ruin the experience, but sometimes it, it to take you out of it a little bit and and make you, you know, kind of scratch your head. Um, but it's still I loved the route that I started with um, so much that I don't know if any of the other routes are really going to compare. I loved it that much. Um, so I can deal with those little uh, little issues. Um, I picked uh, Itsuki, who is sort of the uh, the playboy character on the crew. He's he's kind of a ladies' man. He's always flirting with people, and that, that rubs um, Mikoto extremely the wrong way. You know, she's a, a traditional tsundere character who's all very much about fulfilling her duty and and you know doing doing the job that I need to do and you know, not I don't I don't want to fool around with anyone I just want to you know fulfill my duty and and save the world or whatnot um, but that like Derek said that was really a great part about the story was to see how those characters play off each other and to see how they genuinely grow to know each other and grow closer and become you know Strangely enough, it felt a little bit more of a real, like a realistic romance. Not, not like real life romance, but at least a realistic build up to a romance than in other, uh, Otome games that I've played where it, things felt a little bit 
rushed, I guess. And it's just like, oh, of course the guy's into the girl. And of course the girl is into the guy. I mean, come on. Why wouldn't they be? That's the function of this game. It must be yeah. so. Yeah. So. Robert, how much of it did you play? Uh, I, I've i been playing it on and off. I'm playing as uh, Koharu, who, if she's a goofball. I don't really like oh, her. Oh, we all pick different people. <laughs> uh, Yay! I have, uh, I've paired up with uh, Kakaru, and I quite like him. He's a, a, a bit of a joker and a nice guy, and he can uh, heal plants. So uh, he's, he, he's, he's all about Mother Nature. Um, I find that I am having some problems with their romance that, like, you know, Caitlin, like that you said, it feels a little bit more uh, realistic and believable with your characters. But mine, you know, right out of the gate, like he says, uh, Kakadu tells Koharu that he wants to marry her one day, like pretty much right after <laughs> they've met. And, like, you can say, it's, oh, yeah, you're just joking, and he'll get really hurt. Uh, like a, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit too forward. Yeah, I, I get a little bit of that in the route that I picked just because, um, I don't know how long these are. I, I'm in chapter four of his route, and they, they progress pretty quickly. But he's definitely said something, you know, my character has made allusions to, like, I've never felt anybody like this with anybody else before, and it's like, Girl, please. You've been talking to him for like three days, but I guess they they knew each other before that as well. It's just like things seem to I've, develop very rapidly in a fairly small period of time, like the window in which the game is happening. Yeah, from what I've read, I think some of the routes are better paced than the others. Um, I've I've read what happens in Heishi's route, and I was also like, uh, I was also like that that there that's happening way too fast. But it seemed. In other routes, like it, it's a bit more of a slow burn and maybe not quite so like, whoa, Nelly. Okay, I'm interested. To and see I guess, that. yeah, I mean, it's, it's you when you have nine guys and they're all different routes and they all, um, in the end, end up impacting the story uh, differently. So things will happen in certain routes that don't happen in other routes because of, I guess, the character. You know, the characters are with different people and having different experiences. So it's, you know, some routes probably are going to maybe be a little bit more like uh, moving too fast, whereas others maybe have a bit more time to develop because of the diff- the way the story, the main, st- the main story, if you can call it a main story, because it's kind of in the background in some of the routes anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how everything ties together, actually, like if there's a, like a final true route or anything, because I, I don't even know. I haven't looked that there's, up. There's an epilogue that you unlock by okay. completing all the other routes, and uh, it has to do more with Sarata than, uh, you know, the, the routes themselves are usually very much focused on the girl and the guy, and so Sarata, it's kind of weird. He's he's it's, the main character in the prologue, and then he kind of disappears it's funny, in a lot of the routes. He's obviously, you know, the audience surrogate, and then he's basically banished to a cabin. Thank you. Thank you for saying audience surrogate. That was the term I was looking for earlier. Oh, no problem. Instead of self-insert character. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I mean, they both work, but... Yeah. Well, you're not role-playing as Sorato. And just as precocious, so... But, you know, he's coming from outside of time, as we are. He is us. We are all... Sorata, we are also maybe, maybe not as annoying, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is a pretty solid visual novel, and it uh, I had my eye on it back when it released because I heard a couple of 
uh, impressions, import impressions, saying like, oh, it has a similar sci-fi vibe to things like Virtue's Last Reward. I don't think that it's like that really at all. Um, it does have people. It, it, it's a little bit sci-fi and it has people with powers and there's mystery. I don't think it's going to... It's not the same caliber of narrative or writing even for that matter. But um, I think it has appeal beyond the dating sim element. Like, I, I don't think that you should only get it if you're interested in playing an Otome game. It's like, it's also a pretty good visual novel on its own. I mean, at least as far as I played, I've only... I'm in one route so far, but I, I like it. And um, the the visuals, the sort of like the locales and everything, I, I think are really, really pretty. And I love the lush greenery and the, the bright colors and everything. I think that the, the guys aren't quite to my taste, but I know that they're not making this game for me. <laughs> so I'd prefer like, you know, give me like Ryder from uh, Fate Zero, like that kind of. That kind of guy is more what I'm looking for. But anyway, yeah, the the visuals are, are surprisingly nice as well. And there's actually some additional content beyond the the main game. There's like a Norn Quest or something. I haven't unlocked it yet, but you play with little pixel people, and I want to say it's like a management game. Uh, mm, no. no. It's is- a literally you pick a character, and you have random events happen to you that either give you points or take away points, and you use those points to buy little bonus things in uh, like the sound test, um, there are bonus illustrations, oh, okay. uh, comics. And then at, when you complete a route, you get access to a side story for that route that you have to buy with points. So, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. You'll get points as you progress and you complete routes, and you can also use NornQuest to build up points in order to buy things in the store. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah I think that, that's a cool bonus, though. Yeah, it's nice to have those little extras. Um, I mean, this is a, a my understanding is that this is a, a port of a PSP. That the original game is on PSP and this is a Vita port. So they added their additional scenes apparently uh, here and there. And um, I'm guessing the bonus content, the the store content, is also extra, but I'm not sure. Um, so, but oh, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't look like necessarily like it was ported from PSP. The backgrounds, like you said, are really crisp and beautiful. And I, the, 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 the art style for the characters, um, you know, aside from like personal taste about, you know, what men look like is a really kind of pretty art style. And I appreciate that they blink and that their mouths move when they talk because, yeah. I don't know, every little, little bit like that helps it feel less like I'm, you know, like I'm just reading a fanfic that has illustrations. And uh, as an interesting side note, since we mentioned this earlier with Steins Gate and as well as Danganronpa, they actually premiered an, an anime of this. It came yes. out in January of this year, and I haven't watched any of it just because I wanted to play the game first. But uh, if any of this sounds interesting to you, but you'd rather not play a visual novel, you might want to look into the anime. Watch out. That's Otome, a thing. Otome anime adaptations are usually not very good in my experience. <laughs> mm. but we'll, well see. just putting it out there. It, it exists, I guess. Yeah. I gotta say, I hope that this is the start of a trend, because uh, we saw uh, in 2015 alone um, five uh, Otome games on Vita, and I'm hoping that'll continue. Yeah, what, like Amnesia, Code Realize. I want more. The, the two Hatafu boyfriend titles. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a fan that. disc for Nor Nine that I already want because I fell in love with my guy and my roots so badly that I want his bonus story from it. So. No. I really didn't think you were going to say bonus story when you started that. I I, I thought you were going to just start at bone. Bonus story. <laughs> I, want, I want his bone. 
Well, well considering I mean, he's the the ladies' man of the group, it would have been appropriate. Oh, man, Caitlin, you're doing He's good at what he does. Oh god, now now I'm regretting the fact that Jackie's making me watch the real world because I want to blow my brains out as I watch it. It's the downfall wow. of Western civilization. I thought she loved you. I I think she likes me to watch that kind of stuff because really funny things start coming out of my mouth when people start acting stupid on the television. Why don't Why don't you just compromise and go back and watch old seasons of Paris Hilton's My BFF? Oh god, my new BFF. Oh god. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, Nor Nine. Uh, pretty good game. Anime adaptation exists. Might be bad. IDK LOL. You know it isn't going to be bad. Dinner tonight? Uh, oh. Oh my god. Zero yes. dinner time. Oh my god. Zero time dilemma. Oh my yes. god. Oh my god. I need it now. Oh. I need to know all the things that are happening. Three months away. Can you believe it? Yeah, this summer. <laughs> There's so much happening in June as well. So I've yeah. already seen enough. So at, at GDC, they showed a trailer for the game, and it looks amazing. And there are three teams, three protagonists that you will control. There's randomness in the game. Like, the game will determine whether or not a character might die at a certain point based on your decisions. So there's randomness. There are branching paths, and I can't handle it. It's got Sigma. It's got Phi, Junpei, Akane. Like, they, they are... Tying everything together and holy, yeah, and the guy, the kid that looks like, uh, what's his name from Near? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Oh my god, what's his name? Yeah. There's Kai and and it's Quark, right? No, not Near. Uh, well, the the new guy's name is Quark or, or Q rather. But what's the name of the kid in Near? It's gonna bother me. Oh, uh, I've, I've got to look it up. So the only uh, thing, Emil, it's Emil. Oh, uh, uh, it is Emil. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Go the on. Only the only thing that I've seen online that is a little bit of a tepid reaction is the fact that the the scenes are going to be played out in, like, an actual movie sense. It's not going to be you just reading visual novel text. Everything's going to be acted out. I personally don't have a problem with that. I think that's totally fine. Uh that there was there was some reaction to that of like oh no it's going to be not so much a visual novel like uh, no I think we know what we're getting with this game I, I think, think it's very much looks, still I think that trailer looked super cheesy but like in a good way yeah yeah like that's kind of the point and the voice acting seems about on par with Virtue's Last Reward and if they put you into unique scenarios and they're able to tie this whole story together from nine 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 and Virtue's Last Reward I Wow, I am so goddamn excited for that game. It's going to be right after I get back from E3, and it'll just be like, I'm going to play this game so much, and I have the little watch thing that's going to come with my special edition, and that makes me very happy. Yeah. <sighs> I, was, uh, I was reading the some of the most recent details that just came out in the last day or two from Uchikoshi, uh, the writer, and he said that since this is the third and final entry in this trilogy, he really wants to pull out all the stops, and they're they're pushing harder for the violence, which is interesting. Um, yeah. And I I'm not I'm not a fan of like violence for no reason, but I think that in this series it has been incredibly effective every time it has come up. So um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing how far they push it and uh, to to what lengths they go in terms of showing us the the brutality of this whole situation. And because we know that it like is not going to be pretty throughout a lot of points of the game. And nope. even in the trailer, 
you know, you see people getting murdered pretty horribly. <laughs> yeah, we, we know some arms in one route. Yeah, we know some bad stuff's got to happen. So yeah, like we already know from the previous game that they, bad things will happen to several of the characters, and yep, Diana looks the, like totally unhinged to me. I know. I'm so excited. <sighs> yeah. So, and the randomness I think is cool too because it. I, I have to wonder. Because Uchikoshi is such a smart writer, I have to feel like the randomness will tie into the, the, the overall plot of the game. You know, not just yeah. like, oh, in terms of a mechanical gameplay perspective, like a not it's not just like, oh, we want players to have different experiences. It's also probably gonna be like, oh, every time, you know, they get injected with the amnesia serum, it like warps reality and puts them in a new dimension where things could happen. you know what I mean? So I want to believe that in this universe all things are possible, so I can't wait to see how it all comes together. I'm really excited. I am really, really excited for that uh, game. The dog is the mastermind, by the way. Calling it. Oh. <laughs> but are you guys okay with the new art style? That was the other kind of thing people it. were. A little... Yeah, it's a little bit more realistic. Um, the, the models are a little rough, like a little, a little bit rough, but I think it looks good. I, I'm not a big fan of the original character designs in either 999 or Virtue's Last Reward. I find them to kind of be like just a kaleidoscope of color and boobs, and it seems like they they mostly they, boobs. They neutralize the color a little bit. There's still some boobs, but not as yeah. In every in every game in this series, there is at least one girl who doesn't know how to put her shirt on. Yeah, or, yeah. or just like miss wear one. Yeah, or yeah, well, pretty much. Like Alice with uh, the medallion. <laughs> But Alice is awesome, though. but so is Lotus. Like Lotus and Alice are actually both really cool. They are both. <laughs> they are really cool. Yeah, but I, I like the character designs, and I think it, again, if they're gonna it, those that could really fit in with the brutality of the game, like making it a little bit more grittier. Uh, it's like one of those moments where the art design being a little rougher, like Derek's saying, might work in the game's advantage. I, I'm just super excited. I, I am. Me too. Yeah, this, this is, is a story that I've wanted closure on for years and years now. Yep. When when was Virtue's Last Year War? Was that End three years ago? Coming up oh, my God. I cannot believe it was that long ago. Yeah, because I, I played it in the summer of 2013. I, I played it after the wedding, so I, it was a little little bit easier for me. But it does not feel like three years. Time goes by fast. I'm quickly approaching my 15th high school reunion, which is insane. Like, yikes. Yeah, I know, right? Um, in other news, apparently Sony's crazy, and they've they've been talking about a PlayStation 4.5, and I just want to stick a pencil in my eye. Well, Microsoft I, are doing the same thing, aren't they? The yeah. I, yes. I, I'm mad at everybody, because I, I really don't think that we have created a culture where consumers will be willing to accept that. And it already sucks when, like, hey, this game, apparently, what, Hyrule Warriors Legends plays way better on the new 3DS than it does on the 3DS? Yeah. You that only sucks. Found on the go on the new one. Yeah, that sucks. Like, that, that is just confusing to the consumer. Like, am I going to want a PlayStation 4.5 so that now Bloodborne runs at 60 frames per second instead of second? Like, I don't know. I, I don't want that at all. Like, that is not – console gaming is about – it. the damn thing just works. But, I mean, the thing is, it depends on how they're going to target this, how they're going to market. I mean, obviously, they want as many sales as possible, but – if this is aimed more at the people who have 4K TVs and want the yeah, 4K experience, yeah. 
or people who are okay with putting down the money to have, you know, to go from 30 francs per second to 60 or to have minor. We don't even know how big of a difference this will make in terms of games, um, how they're developed. I presume that games would still have to be developed so that they will function perfect, fine on the original models. So I don't know how much we're going to see in terms of like graphical improvements. Um, I, you know, I probably wouldn't get it unless there were games that were only going to be available on the upgraded system and that, would be that I really wanted. And I can't see, I cannot see Sony pulling a Nintendo like that. I, I mean, I, I know, I, I just, I can't see them being that stupid when they've been largely playing it pretty smart this generation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just a little... Uh, I, I hope they – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe consumers will really gravitate toward this and really want it, and it'll be a, a huge thing for the industry. But I don't I don't see you convincing a bunch of people that just now bought a PlayStation 4, hey, guess what? We're going to come out with a 4.5 that is better in these kind of indecipherable ways. Or maybe oh, – no. Ma- yeah, nice. no. Maybe – yeah. I'm I'm not happy about the rumor that Nintendo might be stopping Wii U production this year because of the NX because I just got a Wii U like two months ago or three I months ago. I think that's a reality. I, I I do think that's a reality. I, I but I I think they also have a huge stockpile of systems that they have not sold. So and and to to be fair, the Wii U did not sell very well at all. That's not an, that is not a, a, an attack on the quality of some of their games. That is just a market reality. And Nintendo, you know, all the leaks about the, the supposed fake photos of the new NX controller, I don't think the NX comes out necessarily this holiday season, but I could see a spring or summer launch next year. And if that's the case, then the Wii U, they're going to stop production soon ish like it's gonna happen and it sucks especially if you just bought a wii u and i mean maybe the nx is backwards compatible with the wii u i don't know how that's possible if it doesn't have a gamepad i don't know like oh but by the way though i'm so glad that that nx rumor about the controller was a total fake yeah that looked like hot mess because oh my god like i am i am not pro touch controls I have nope. said this before in this podcast. I want buttons. I want tactile feedback. I want the precise control that I know I'm going to get if I put my finger over a, an actual physical button that has texture. You know, I want to press that shit and I want to feel it in the game. Oh god, no! That was, that, that was a okay. moment. That was a moment playing Dongan Rampa where I didn't realize that the back touch screen, like during the shooting sections, was working. And I kept failing a shooting section because my my thumb or like the back of my forefinger just kept moving a little bit and it was registering that. I thought my game was glitched, and I was like, "What is going on here?" And then I read in a forum, people were like, "Oh yeah, this is like one sequence where the game's using the back back touch and it's not telling you." And so I held the I held my Vita with like the palms of my hand, just using the the thumbs, and it was like, "Oh, does tell you." I was like, "What the hell?" Like, no, I'm with you, dude. I'm 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 100% with you. I yeah. do not like touch controls. I would love right. to play the Dragon Quest games on my mobile. I have a Galaxy Note 5. It's got a huge screen, but I am not playing with virtual buttons. That just nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, I can handle. Um, I I have, don't have anything against touch controls in games that are made for touch controls on things like phones. 
Because that's like if it's made for that from the ground up, that's fine. But I hate hate virtual D pads and virtual buttons. Like yep. they I'm have never you. ever worked well in in my experience. Like anytime I have to play an RPG with a virtual D pad, it just sucks. Yep. So Can you imagine? I don't Dark want a Souls. console where that's my only choice. No. Dark Souls 4 for the NX, virtual buttons confirmed. No. No. It, it, it really will be, why didn't he put his shield up? It, it, that is actually what happened. Did you guys ever have that thing where, like, Mario would fall in a pit and you would just go, I jumped! I, I, swear, to God, I swear to God! It's like, I oh, pushed yeah. the button! I pushed the button! Why didn't he do the thing? The game's both. <laughs> do the thing! All right, I think we're all getting tired here, and Caitlin needs to go get dinner. So now we're gonna let you go. I have to, I have to go eat too. Uh, thank you everybody for listening uh, to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, through the. Please uh, hmm? leave reviews on iTunes as well. Please, you can call Rob a douche because that's just you being truthful. Yeah, everybody just calls me a douche. I think I've been pretty good <laughs> lately. Okay, Fallout Four, yes. I got a little heated. All right, I just got a little, little goddamn annoyed, but you know, you've been good. Between Rob, between you and Robert, which one of you is handsome, Rob? Oh, definitely Robert. Uh, I am. I am a hot mess. I am. I am hot. The thing I've got going for me is my facial hair and my and my regular hair. Like that's all I got. Getting the vapors. Yeah. You getting the vapors over there? Are you feeling for Clem? Love all Rob equally on this podcast. I'd say I'm like an eight on a good day, but mostly I'm like a seven. You're a little cutie, Rob. Aw, thanks, bud. Like cutie patootie. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, thanks. please review us on iTunes to help. <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Uh, for Derek, Caitlin, and Robert, and this Robert, we will see you all later. <laughs>